The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to For the Love of Reiki with Paula Vale. Reiki has been proven to bring you balance and peace, as well as improve your health. It's a healing method that works with other alternative methods, as well as conventional medical practices, to encourage and enhance personal healing on a number of levels. Now, to tell you more about Reiki and better health, here is Paula Vale. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of For the Love of Reiki Paula Vale here, and I welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Today is going to be so inspirational and so inspiring. I'm very excited. The title of our episode today is The Secret to Conscious Relationships, and I am delighted to welcome to our show today the internationally renowned yoga master, Yogi Amrit Desai. He is the founder of the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health, the largest in the U.S., and the creator of Kripalu Yoga. Currently, he is a spiritual director of the Amrit Yoga Institute in Salt Springs, Florida, where at 83 years young, he continues to refine his unique methodology of an integrated yoga practice as Amrit Yoga, which combines the spiritual dimension of authentic yoga with the physical practice of asanas. The style of yoga he developed is now taught by thousands of teachers in 40 countries. As a master in the holistic living, he is also the author of numerous books. His latest and very timely entry into the world of literature is The Yoga of Relationships, A Practical Guide to Loving Yourself and Others, published in July of 2015. And I have to say, I have read that book, and its I can't recommend it high enough. It is so beautiful. I, I absolutely loved it. So to begin, I would like to say... Thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us today, and welcome, Yogi Desai. Thank you, Paula. It is so wonderful to be with you and uh, bring out the, the unique ideas that I, I have because I come from the, the background of Yogi, and my, relation, my ideas about relationships are slightly different than the traditional ones. I love it. I love it. That's it's fantastic. I'm so excited. And and I please share with us uh, a little bit. You you immigrated to the U.S. from India in 1960 with just enough money for your first semester as a college art student. And today, your influence is worldwide. You not only developed a uniquely innovative system of yoga practice, you have changed lives with this philosophy of yoga and more. Uh, tell us about that and, and what this road has been for you. When I came here 
1960, I just came here as a student, but I had a passion for yoga. And I was a very deeply interested seeker of truth. So when I came, I did go through my studies in the art school, became very famous artist as well. But I continued to teach yoga classes on the side. But of course, my enthusiasm did not hold back because I was in a completely new culture. I didn't know the language appropriately. I didn't know the customs. I didn't know how to advertise. I didn't know how to handle the classes. All of this just happens naturally and spontaneously. So, and, um, so one thing after the other, more and more people who were very deeply touched by the message of yoga that I brought in those days when there was hardly any yoga whatsoever, I'm talking about in 1960. So it became very, and my organization that I started uh, became one of the largest again in those days by 1970 when I had 150 yoga classes and I had trained more than 50 yoga teachers. In those days, there was, <laughs> there was hardly any yoga classes, let alone training yoga teachers to train more yoga classes. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. And the, the results of, of your yoga practice, that can be immediate, can't it? I mean, my goodness, I, I can see anyone wanting to practice this. It sounds amazing. Yes. So it was, the, it was my yogic lifestyle that had no barriers when I came to the West. And therefore, your question, like, I came with a one, well, just a tuition enough for the one semester, and how did I do it? I would say that when you, when you live in a yogic, uh, yogic principles, the, the usual barriers that people face in their life, in their work life, family life, uh, social life, or love life, they don't come in your way. It, it, you just, uh, wherever you put your attention, things begin to flow and work. Oh, beautiful, yes. beautiful. And that's really quite huge, isn't it, where we put our attention. And exactly. We, yes, yes. And, and Yogi Desai, you've written several books on your methodology on its basis mm-hmm. in the ancient teaching of Pantajali, and you recently won four awards for your spiritual poetry, and congratulations, by the way. And now you've just released this book, and that topic resonates with everyone, all of us, I mean, relationships. And right. I, know, I know there's hundreds of self-help books. Uh, how is yours different? Tell us what makes yours unique. Well, um, just like I said, I come from a, an ayugic tradition. And I know that um, the, the conflicts and the stress that comes in intimate relationships, it is seen differently in the psychology field and in the traditional counseling system, which I see uh, differently. 
And so that is my contribution as to, I, and that's what I bring out in my book. And that is, even though it is different and unique, it is so understandable that most people, when they read the book, they just really clear, get a clear guidance as to how to be in the relationship that's right now dysfunctional and turn it into successful, loving, blooming relationship. Oh, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. And one of the things that struck me most, uh, Yogi Desai, was your entirely unique way of defining the, I hope I pronounce this correctly, yamas and niyamas, the first limb of Ashtanga Yoga, and mm. how you applied them to relationship issues. Uh, typically, we think of the yamas and the niyamas as do's and don'ts. But your interpretations made them guidelines for day-to-day -day living. I loved that. That's beautiful. It looks like you understand the meaning of yamas and niyamas. And most people do not, most people and most books, you'll find that they don't interpret the inner and subtler meaning of yamas and niyamas. And that is about how to live a life um, and how to use it in every aspect of your interpersonal relationships, because it, allow, it is about your relationship with yourself. And when you know that it, it is relationship with yourself, you know how it can be useful in every other relationship you have outside of you. Yes, yes. And, and I would like to, to touch on, again, um, in your book where you mention where attention goes, energy flows. I, I love that. Can you share a little more on that, on that thought with our listeners? Yes, uh, this, is, um, this is very important universal principle that, um, that attention, energy flows where attention goes. In other words, if your attention is going out uh, aimed at anger towards somebody else, then all your energy follows with it and carries the impact of whatever you are saying, more, physic more energetic impact on the other. So it is the energy that goes with the thoughts and the emotions that 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 is called energetic impact goes behind the expressions of the thoughts feelings in interactions and and that is so powerful isn't it it is very powerful if you know this this principle you will know how to invest your attention and where you do not want to invest your attention because wherever you pay attention, it grows. If you pay attention to the fear, the fear will grow. If you pay attention to anger, attention, anger will grow. Why? Because it grows with the energy. And when it grows, it doesn't grow somewhere out there in the sky. It grows in you because it is burning your own energy with your own angry, fearful thoughts. 
And that is why you get the you get the you become the victim of any negative thoughts you think about anyone, anything, or any situation in life. So when we have those negative thoughts of someone else or a situation, we are really bringing those thoughts inside us. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Don't you? Can you understand what I said? I mean, uh, does it yes. make sense to you? Oh, it makes total sense. It does. It really does. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that you know, just changing that thought process, I believe, would be life changing for us. And exactly. Especially that what I just yes. said can be life changing if somebody would understand. Whenever they are being negative towards anyone, anything, or anything that they interact with. If they're negative, their negativity gets built into their biology and psychology. Yes. Oh, <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. I, I, I just love that. And uh, Yogi Desai, in, in your book, the title of Chapter 1 is The Urge to Merge. And that both amused me and intrigued me. I loved it. Can you elaborate on on that meaning for me? Yeah, because uh, the urge to merge is inborn within every human being. They don't have to learn. And merge means, because most people, they're always suffering from separation and not just separation, but conflict that separates them further from each other, and conflict that separates them from themselves as well. So this separation is, is so painful that they're always yearning for, with an urge to merge, means they want to dis- make this disappear. So that is why some people use sex as a way to urge urge to merge. Why? Because in sex, male and female union makes all the negative thoughts, fears, self-rejection, guilt, everything disappear. So urge to merge gives them relief from who they are not. And therefore, urge to merge is then abusively used by using outside vehicles like people drink or some people eat or some people do some people go shopping or some people, some people do television or internet all these things are like a, to get the relief from the inner conflicts so urge to merge is as as common as the conflicts that are yes yes so would you say by focusing or allowing ourselves to have self-love from our core that would lessen our urge to merge? That's a beautiful interpretation. That's exactly what I teach. So the real urge to merge is, is to return to the source of oneness within. Sometimes we call it God. Sometimes we call it higher self. Sometimes we call it higher power, but sometimes we call it Christ consciousness, but it's all the same. So 
That is the real urge to merge. But then people abusively use false vehicles to temporarily solve the problem of urge to merge. And when they get fed up and completely fail, they feel so desperate, then they come to realize that the real urge to merge. Oh, yes. Oh, my. Yes. Thank you. And people don't usually look at relationships in terms of themselves and their personal responsibility. They usually want to blame their partner for not being the person they fell in love with or a di- disappointment. It, it, would you say that's true? Yes, yes. So, so when people fall in love with someone else, they are falling in love expecting the love to come from the other that will that replace their need to accept themselves because when they do not know how to accept themselves and love themselves and be in the center the source of love within when most people who are who are who are lost they are lost in searching for love outside so because they don't have the source they do not know where the real source is that's what christ means when he says love thy neighbor as thyself so the ability to love the neighbor comes from first having learned how to accept receive receive yourself just the way you are not conditionally, like when you change this, I will accept myself. That, that does not work. So in order to do, open the door to, to return to the source of love, the door is accept yourself just the way you are. And accept others just the way they are. And accept life just the way it is. Yes. And that is what is, in other words, it is called meditation. And Christ will say differently. He will say, Thy will be done, my Lord, not mine. That means accept. Yes. Let God's will be done. That's the same meaning. So most people do not know the meaning of what Christ says. So I come from, from the, the yogic background. And because I have practiced and I've gone to the deeper and subtler levels of yoga practice, I can recognize the inner meanings of Christ's teachings that often gets lost when people do not have the right interpretation. Yes. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, my goodness. I, your book was full of so much. It was full of so much. I just, I just can't share that enough with the listeners, how much I loved your book. Uh, Another section of your book that interests me was what you call the masquerade of love, where we all wear masks in our interactions with others and are not our true selves until the masks come off. Tell us a little bit about that, please. Like in life, most people, they are looking for 
So most people suffer from self-rejection, guilt, and they have no they have no idea how to solve that problem. So that's what I teach about in 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 my trainings of people who come here. And so when they do not know, they go out looking for love, acceptance, approval, appreciation from other or outside. And that's a, that's a very superficial way of solving the problem. Even if you get the approval, acceptance, appreciation from other, your self-rejection will override no matter how many people say how many good things about you. So ultimately, you are left with yourself. Yes. Yes. So really, if you don't believe in yourself, you don't have that core of love that really the meaning of others loving you, it really doesn't mean anything because you have to love yourself first. Exactly. You have to learn. Or when you are in when you are in loving relationship, use it to learn about yourself through the intimate loving relationship. That is that is the real way of uh, mo- moving deeper in the loving relationship. So, but instead, when people fall in love with another person, they are not falling in love with the person as they are. They are falling in love with the person as they expect them to be. But this is, this is unresolved, un, unvocally adopted attitude. That people don't say that, I love you because I, I think you will fulfill all my expectations. No, but that is all a hope. So that's why it's all left on the hope. And it's all built on how the person appears in their wrapping stage. Wrapping stage means oh, you only see the person and the kind of personality they have, habits they have, the kind of the makeup they have, the clothes they wear, the social status they have. That's all we can see. But that's not you are falling in love. But that's what, in general, at the surface level, that's what becomes attractive. And I call that the wrapping around the gift, gift box. So when you get married to the wrapping, and when you open the box, wrapping disappears, and Pandora's box opens up. Because you did not just fall in love with what was apparent. You fall in love with the whole person as they are with themselves and with their own unresolved karmic impressions of the traumas and pleasurable and painful experiences and all the ups and downs they had experienced, there you are going to experience that because they are going to live into the same thing that happened to them in the past, not what you expect. Yes, yes. So what I say is when two people get married, actually there are four that are getting married. Oh, that's that's interesting. Oh, please explain that a little further. Four means each person has a double within them. Means myself with capital S means higher self 
and my adapted body of self-image. In, the, in yoga, it is called karma body, which, which carries the old memories of success and failure and ups and downs, marriages and divorces in, the, in their love life, family life, work life, uh, social life. So that is the another part everyone carries within them that, that doesn't become apparent in the earlier newness of the loving relationship because each one can, is masking it behind so they cannot, that cannot be easily be seen by the other. Yes, yes. Oh, that's, I love that. I love that. And when we enter a relationship, we have expectations and usually of being accepted and supported by our partner, the hope of family, support when crisis occurs. And, and many times we find ourselves disappointed. And is that because we, we are just looking at the wrapping? We really aren't accepting and loving the box, would you say? Yeah, we are not, it's not like that is true. We are not accepting the part that resurfaces after the mask have, is, has to be taken, care, taken off because masks can be comfortable in dating stage, but when you get married, you can't keep it that because it's suffocating. So yes. the mask is removed and the the, the what you live with yourself beyond below that begins to resurface. Yes. Oh. So that means people who are in conflict within themselves begins to come out in conflict with the with the intimate relationship. Yes. Oh. Oh, thank you so much. I I am just loving this this information. Uh yes. dear, Dear Yogi, uh, we do need to pop out for a c commercial break. So everyone hang tight. Uh, we will be okay. right back. Thank you. Thank you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you ready to experience the wonderful healing benefits of Reiki? Paula Vale, host of For the Love of Reiki, one of the top shows on Voice America's health and wellness channel, has put together the Love of Reiki Practitioner Directory. It is a growing list of practitioners and teachers of Reiki and other healing modalities. Go to lovereikiradio.com to search for a practitioner or teacher in your area, as well as products and materials from around the world. Again, that's lovereikiradio.com. On Therapeutic Approach to Growth, host Brooke Wagner showcases topics and experts that are of interest to the special needs community. You'll learn about advances in treatment, challenges, and solutions, as well as how to build and maintain trusting relationships with these amazing individuals who can teach us so much about ourselves in ways we never knew. Tune in to Therapeutic Approach to Growth, live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to For the Love of Reiki with Paula Vale. We would love to hear about your Reiki stories as well as your questions about Reiki. Paula will answer questions and share stories on the show. Please send an email to Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Again, that's Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Now, back to For the Love of Reiki. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I am here today with uh, Yogi Desai, and he is sharing some amazing information. And we are discussing his latest book, The Yoga of Relationships. And um, Yogi Desai, before we jump back in, I would like to uh, read a couple notes out of your book. A paragraph from chapter one. I'd like to read that first paragraph and, and have you talk about that a little bit, if you would. Sure. Okay. Love is the elixir of life, the nectar that nurtures every level of our body and being. Our inborn evolutionary urge to merge compels us to search for love and the promise of completion it brings. We seek love in its myriad forms and in every expression of life, craving the experience of ecstatic union where the walls that separate us from others dissolve into oneness. And we were just discussing in the previous segment, you were talking about the urge to merge and uh, things that we do as humans trying to merge and, you know, not having that self-love. And so if you'd like to share a little bit about this a little further on love and that first chapter. Right. So that actually the soul is born with a with an urge to merge, means go back to the source because the ego mind has separated from the source of oneness. We call God. In the West, we call it that ego mind, the prodigal son. So when he suffers so excessively, he says, Father, I'm coming home. So that is the urge to merge, that, that, that ego eventually, when he moves further and further away from the source of love within, that God is. God and love are the two words for the same experience. So this is why the practice of yoga is also the same thing. Um, is yoga means union. Union means urge to merge. How to merge back into the source of oneness, which is the source of love. Because in love, two becomes one. So, so the, when people are in aesthetic union, sexually, the wall that separates them between you and me, or you for me or against me, all the crumble wall that separates them crumbles down, and they temporarily merge so completely, they become whole, 
and complete. So that's the complete fulfillment of urge to merge. But that being so temporary, people think that it comes from the other. But they do not know it comes from the source of the energy inside of us. So they try to get, become addicted to the person who provides them the sex ecstasy of sexual union. So it is the same thing as when people get the tranquilizer and they get so high and all the pain is relieved, their stress is removed, all of a sudden they feel like pill did it. No, pill did it, but it happened in your body. So it was the change in the chemistry in your body that created that experience of peace and harmony. Beautiful. And Yogi Desai, something else in your book, which which I felt was very, very powerful, it just, it really struck me, I really loved it, was to enjoy what we already have is the most difficult thing to do, to be attracted <laughs> Yes, to be attracted to what we don't have is the easiest thing to do. Could you please touch on that for me? Right, because ego mind lives in insecurity. So for ego mind, no matter what you have, how much you have, how often you have, it's never enough. So it is always looking for more and getting disappointed in the process of seeking it. So it is, it, um, many people, they just do not have the ability to enjoy what they already have because that's the purpose of getting what you want. Why do you want it? So you are happy when you get it. The problem is most people do not know that's why they are trying to get what they want, because they, want, they are happy with what they get. But what they do not realize is after they get what they want, they are not happy for too long, and they become greedy for more, and yes. say, I want more. So yes. people are in a self-destructive, living in the ego mind lives in a self-destructive mode of wanting something more and different than what you already have. So that means it's a, it is called masochistic behavior. Means I want to hurt myself, and I have found the best way to do it. Just not want what I have. I will try to get everything that I don't have. <laughs> yes, yes. That that's a powerful message. Because so, would you say, when we choose to live in our ego mind, we're really keeping ourselves from happiness and peace and Right, Enjoy. because yes. that is it. the ego mind is not happy no matter how much you have or how often you have. Ego makes itself insecure, unhappy, and fearful about future. And then it is always trying to get more in the f- false hope to eliminate the fear and insecurity but how much more you get. So insecurity and fear are gone. It is impossible 
because it's self-defeating, self-destructive behavior. But almost all people with high IQ and very successful people do not have this common sense. Yes, yes. And would you say living, you know, in the ego mind mindset also takes trust out of the picture? We have less trust, I I would think. That is very well said. If you live in the ego mind, ego mind lives in the memories of all that happened in the journey of the soul in the past. So all that happened was success and failure, ups and downs, and ecstasies and agonies. So ego does not know what is for me or against me any other way or any differently than the way it has experienced it in the past. But the way it experienced in the past was created by its own perception about people, places, and things. Therefore, ego is a, is, is a phantom creator of life situations, problems, and solutions. And as long as it engages you into solving the false problems, it can survive. Yes, yes. Oh. Yes, my goodness. And uh, Yogi Desai, can we touch also on the subject of forgiveness and gratitude? What, what are your thoughts on that for us, please? So gratitude is um, like being grateful for good things that we, are, that we already have. It's a, on the same subject that we just talked about. When you are not grateful for what you already have, that means you are fearful. You are not satisfied with life. You are driven by insecurities and the fears. So gratitude, when fear comes, gratitude disappears. When self-rejection comes, gratitude disappears. So we are gratitude and being comes from recognizing the grace that we have from the higher power. So people do not recognize that, that we are born with a place where everything is furnished for our happiness. And there is nothing that is lacking. And yet, look what a mess we create out of such a Garden of Eden that is given to us. Yes, yes. And, 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 and we yeah. never brought any of it that is here. It was existing before we came in. It will exist, continue to exist after we go. And for such a, such a twinkle of an eye from the eternity point of view, we make such a mess out of life, create fear and uh, control issues and managing my future and as if you are in control of the future. Death has it already <laughs> decided. So what are you controlling? <laughs> yes, yes. Nobody oh. has a future. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, thank you. Yes. And, <laughs> oh, I love that. And mm. also, in, in your book, I, I would love to hear a little bit on this topic as well. There's just so much. Um, 
you talk about our relationships with food and work. Um, let's say we have a connection to our job, our lunch, what we eat. How do, how do these basic essentials affect our lives? See, most people, our body and is already born with the with urge to, for the, all the survival needs. We don't have to think about it. So we are given an, an enough, enough capacity to create for our sustenance, survival, health, and well-being. But most human beings, are their ego mind is not out for making a living because they are trying to make, they are trying to cope with insecurities and fears inside of themselves. So they are making a living for the, for the benefit of the ego, not for the benefit of the sustenance, survival, health, and well-being of the body. So ego has no existential reality. You, human, each human being made up something that they call themselves their ego. And that is why each person has a different um, perspective on life, life situations, and relationship. It is as they made it up in their own, by their own fears and attachments to people, places, and things. Yes, yes. And in your book, uh, something that, that you noted that I thought was very powerful on this subject, it is important to feel energy and passion for work. Otherwise, it holds no meaning and is just a preoccupation rather than an occupation. And then, then you spoke of two kinds of work-related passions, goal-oriented and love-oriented. Would you like to share with us uh, the difference of those two passions? Right. The ego mind, when it goes to work, it goes, its goal is to do the work and be rewarded with the salary that is for their sustenance, survival, health, well-being, their family, themselves. So the, that is natural. We all want to go to work. But the problem happens when you don't love the work that you do. If you do it exclusively just for the salary, you are damaging your health internally, feeling restless. Your attention gets conf- conflicted. You like it and you don't like it. You want to do it, but you don't want to do it. You hate to drive there, but you have to drive there. You don't want to wake up early, but you have to. All kinds of inner conflicts, they continue in the work if it is happening through the medium of goal orientation without the real heart-oriented interaction in everything that you do. So when, you, when whatever you do, heart-oriented, there, your mind, your body, your heart are in complete alignment. So you are whole and complete while you are doing it. You are not conflicted and separated where your mind is saying one thing, your body is saying another thing, 
your feelings are saying something completely different. That means you are doing it from the ego mind, not from the heart. So I teach yoga. So I have a whole yoga teacher training, thousands of teachers I have trained, and I'm known world all over the world. And I teach precisely how to make your life, how to connect with the source of love within. And when they learn, they go through the profound paradigm shift where their relationship in love life, family life, work life, social life, everything goes through shift. Because no matter where you go, there you are. If you are, if you are conflicted, you create conflicts everywhere you go. So, so that's what I teach and that's what I've written in this book, Yoga of Relationship, that applies to relationship with yourself as it, mirror, as it is mirrored in relationship with others and the world. Oh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Oh, and, and also, um, would you like to touch on in your book, Along the line, you talk about rediscovering natural hunger. Can you explain that to us, please? So natural hunger is, uh, is called biological hunger. Unnatural hunger is called psychological hunger. So psychological hunger comes from um, being addicted to the test and food, and being addicted to sex, or to alcohol, or to the pizza, or any junk food that you are addicted to. So that means it's not a biological hunger, it is called psychological hunger. So biological hunger is natural hunger. So your body knows when it is hungry, and as you feed the body, it knows when to stop. But you will notice that um, the people who have such an adverse relationship with the food, they, and they are so fat and they want to lose the weight, which most people are doing almost all the time. They're yes. counting calories. <clears throat> so before they eat, their mind comes in and says, be careful, don't overeat. This is your chance. And then while they're eating, that mind that was telling don't overeat disappears and something else takes over and says have a good time while you have it <laughs> and then people over it and then after they finish the both that said be careful don't eat too much and the one that said have good time disappears and the third one comes with self-condemnation he says here you go you messed it again I mean yes. which one is you there's a crowd that lives in you, creating conflicting voice about anything that you do, anywhere you go, or anyone you are with. That is the cause of all health problems, stress problems, and all 83, 88% of physical, mental, and emotional problems people suffer from. That's why my teachings have become so powerful, and so many people, that's why the yoga organization I started became the largest in all of America because we have, and now I am here in Florida and um, 
in Salt, Salt Springs, Florida, near Ocala. And um, it's a thriving yoga center. We have many yoga teacher courses and yoga nidra teacher courses and uh, yoga therapy courses. Many people come here from all over the United States and foreign countries. It's because it, has, it gives the core teachings where people can experience the in-depth transformation in all aspects and all relationships in their life. I, in, in past shows, I have had guests mention Kripalu. And when I received your book and saw that you were the founder, I was just so excited. It's, it's a beautiful what, what you've created. And, um, uh, but right now, I am here at Amrit Yoga Institute. Okay. And uh, so you may want okay. to mention, in case some people may want to connect with us. Yes, yes. Would, um, and everyone listening on the show description, you will see the contact information, website information. I think that's a fantastic idea. And we are down to about four minutes left of the show. Can you leave us with a piece of advice to remedy our relationships or our, even our relationship with ourselves? Right. What, what, what last so, words would you like for us? The main fundamental thing that most people do not know is that for them, problems appear to be coming from outer world, other person or from their own ego mind. And they, that is, actually, they do not know that that source of problem is living in their memories of the past. So I would say, instead of looking for the pro, seeing the problems coming from other, if you see it, that it is coming from within you, then you have the power to change it. But if you see it coming from others, you are totally disempowered to do anything to solve it. So that's fundamental about all, everything that I teach. What I teach is take back your power and do what you need to do to change your life. Don't wait for people to change for you to be happy. Right. Because it really, we are the one in control, aren't we? Exactly. Then we have no responsibility what other people, how other people behave. We have ability to choose response to how we behave. Therefore, it is our responsibility to solve it within ourselves. Yes, yes. That doesn't mean you cannot interact with external people, but this is primary focus. And then doing everything you need to solve outside comes as a secondary approach. That means you're not ignoring the problems that come from outside. But if you only deal it with as if it is coming from outside and ignore your part in it, you are going to, you are going to create more conflict in the process of solution. Yes, yes. And so really, if we can take a moment to 
take responsibility for and know that we are control, controlling our life and our relationships, really that's self-empowering. I, I would think that would be a great way to look at it as well, which right, can, right. yes, help you be that's positive. That's what I said. So you are, in, you are empowered with these yes. teachings. You are empowered to change your relationship with yourself. And when you change with yourself, it changes everywhere else. Because everywhere else, what you see is the mirroring of your own self. So you cannot change the mirror. You know, if you want, if you see your hair done, not done too well, you cannot go change it in the mirror or in the outside. So whatever appears outside is mirroring of your inside. So when you see it outside, change inside. That is the idea. Oh, Oh, my goodness. My dear Yogi Desai, I just have to say thank you so much. I am so honored. This, thank you for, for being with us today. So what kind of, what kind of listening do you have? Is a, you can it, close it and then we can talk. Yes, it's, uh, our, we have worldwide listeners. And I do want to take a quick moment before we say goodbye to say Thank you to our listeners out there, and love, hugs, and blessings to everyone. And Yogi Desai, love, hugs, blessings to you. And I just am very grateful that you were on the show. And my love to everyone who is listening, because I'm here to help. That's my love. I'm 100% dedicated to support people in living life artfully, consciously, and actively. Thank you. Thank you you for all you do. Oh, thank you. Goodbye, everyone. And goodbye, Yogi Desai. And And thank you. Goodbye. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning into For the Love of Reiki. Please join your host, Paula Vale, again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel to learn more about your better health. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 